Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. We're doing something different this week because I'm recording this on Thursday, January 7th, 2021. Yesterday, a riotous mob stormed the United States Capitol and attempted to prevent the certification of the votes of the Electoral College that make Democrat Joe Biden president-elect of the United States. There is absolutely no excuse for demonstrators, whatever their beliefs and goals, to overrun police barricades and attempt to prevent the people's elected representatives from carrying out their duties. Violence is not speech, and storming the Capitol is definitionally violence. At Capitol Research Center, we have a specific point of view. We believe in free markets, constitutional government, and individual liberty. Violent disruption of the legislature is most assuredly not that. As a country, we cannot make the precedents that we have set, perhaps by, by accident in recent months, under which some have justified riotous violence as permissible, others have spread unsubstantiated conspiracy theories about how the election was administered, into even worse situations. As a society, the present equilibrium, where some partisans treat some riots as okay and others as not, or treat their own side's political victories as unquestionable and their opponents as facially invalid, is not sustainable. It leads to deeper division, and as we saw yesterday, it can lead to violence. It will suborn more violence and risks further dividing the country. When it comes to restoring order, fortunately, most public officials have been fairly straightforward. The public authorities must establish order. The principle must hold that violence is not speech and speech is not violence. Election administrators likewise have a responsibility to run elections in a fashion that secures trust, even if they think there isn't any malfeasance going on right now. The lack of trust itself is a problem. An example from our history, after 2000 and the disputes over hanging chads, Florida fundamentally reformed its election administration procedures. Today, Florida's election administration is or should be a national model with decisive results affirmed by all parties known quickly. And this is despite a large proportion of its votes being cast by mail. And the unsubstantiated conspiracy theories that some have spread about the 2020 elections have allowed real evidence of the real poor, ma poor administration of the 2020 elections, much of which was presumptively legal, to hide amid the nonsense. At Capital Research Center, we have been tracking and will continue to track the activities of groups like the Center for Technology and Civic Life, which is funded by ideological liberals uh, and behaved in a manner that seemed to uh, provide an advantage to liberal candidates. Uh, charitable organizations under IRS rules are not supposed to intervene in elections. And for a, for a long time, especially on the left of center, charitable organizations have used the uh, fig leaf of nonpartisan civic engagement to engage in what are fundamentally political activities, voter registration, and, and this year, with Center for Tech and Civic Life, uh, they got into the business of actually funding election administration, actually funding the county officials, the, county, uh, the parts of county governments that conduct the election. And 
one would hope that the same people who see every attempt to increase school choice, every attempt to increase the private responsiveness of public services, that essentially contracting out something as fundamental as election administration is not something that we should be doing. Uh, that this is a fundamental government activity that must be conducted by the government. But again, both the riot justification and the semi-privatization of election administration illustrate a key principle. We cannot have one rule for one side and one rule for the other, and extremist factions will ensure that there isn't. Uh, there need to be firm rules established uh, in firm rules established in advance, administered fairly, and administered in a neutral manner. Uh, lock up the rioters, punish punish them to the full extent of the law. Um, but we need to make clear what charitable organizations, regardless of their ideological alignment, may do relative to elections. Uh, there needs to be one rule for everyone, one rule that people can trust. And even worse, our institutions have squandered positions from which they could mediate disputes between political factions, which they could conduct. I mean, this is a, a long-standing series of uh, procedural maximalism that goes back goes back decades. Uh, you know, we need our, we need what amount to arms reduction talks, but the institutions that could conceivably mediate these talks have squandered their their positions of authority oftentimes through partisan alignment. Uh, in 2000 and 2004, in response to protests about election administration, in 2000, of course, it was Florida, the hanging chads. In 2004, uh, it had to do, all, again, with voting machines. Democrats were the ones spreading the conspiracy theories that uh, it was the voting machines that had falsified the election results. Uh, but in both of those cases... It was able to be big philanthropy that convened genuinely cross-party commissions chaired by, in 2000, it was uh, Democratic former President Jimmy Carter and Republican former President Jerry Ford. In 2004, uh, it was Carter again and uh, former Republican Secretary of State Jim Baker uh, that made recommendations on how to improve election administration. And if you go back and read the 2004 report, some of the now, the suggestions have been sort of superseded by technological advancement, or they've been made moot because everything's online anyway. Uh, but a lot of the other ones still would hold, still would hold water, still would uh, increase trust, increase the satisfaction of even the losers of an election that, you know, yes, everything was conducted in accordance with the rules. Everything was conducted as fairly as can be reasonably expected. Uh, but today they probably couldn't. The, the big philanthropic organizations probably couldn't because they've become more partisan. They've become, you know, they were always liberal-leaning. They often fund, you know, they funded liberal activism. Uh, but in recent years, they've, in some cases, gone so far as to fundamentally deny the legitimacy of opposing points of view. And the consequence of that is that political division deepens. Um, you know, the belief that somehow conservatives and that somehow uh, people who don't subscribe 
whether they're conservative or not, to the full progressive agenda are somehow just going to disappear or canon should be sort of run underfoot, that creating that division ha can have negative consequences. We as a country on both sides have to be willing to step back from the precipice. Uh, we have to be willing to acknowledge that sometimes, yes, our political opponents win a genuine election. That there are procedural maximalisms uh, that we should not take because they run roughshod over the political norms that allow members of minorities, political minorities, ethnic minorities, uh, you know, minorities of religion, uh, minorities of you know, uh, of sexual orientation that allow them to, that allow them, allow us in, in every single one of us is, is in some way a minority, if only the minority of one, an individual, uh, that if we run roughshod over the norm, the norms and institutions that protect us, uh, that allow us to believe that our freedoms are being protected, even if it's by a government we broadly don't agree with, uh, then, then we risk disunion. And that constitutional government that I spoke of earlier, you know, I believe that's based on an indissoluble union of federal states, that we must live together. We must make this work. We can have a, a situation, you know, we should have a federal system where California can be California, Florida can be Florida, but you know, and, and, and the protections of a, of a federal, federal judiciary and of the federal constitution, but we have to make this work. You know, it's, it really is down to the last lines of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Um, and certainly losing one election, no matter how, no matter how many problems we had with its administration, no matter how many problems we had with, you know, the Center for Technology and Civic Life. Losing one election can never be an excuse, can never be a reason to squander over 200 years of constitutional government, to squander it by raiding and ransacking the seat of our government and the place of the people's elected representatives. Um, you know, we, you know, the, the, the American experiment is based on law and on the Constitution. And again, we, we must not throw it away. Uh, you know, and, and again, it's hard because, you know, right now we're living in a time when we've had ideological sorting. We very, you know, few of us live among people of the opposite political view, except maybe, again, in our families. We have relatives who are. Uh, and then we've, because of the pandemic, we've created the situation where we've, you know, locked everyone in their homes with their ideological echo chambers. And, you know, we've, we've hidden away the, the, the humanizing effects of social, of, of real social, you know, real meat space social interaction that would allow us, maybe, maybe I'm being naive, maybe I hope 
uh, that that we would see that again while we have our differences i'm i'm not going to like much of anything the biden administration does even though i believe the biden administration was duly elected in accordance with law you know we have to make the american experiment work and we don't make the american experiment work by storming the legislature and we can point out the precedents that have existed before i mean Again, those of us who remember Wisconsin in 2011, where, you know, they, the legislature, the state legislature was occupied by union protesters, you know, that doesn't excuse what happened yesterday. It can't be, can't justify what happened yesterday. But what we need as a country, what we need as a society is for people of goodwill for people who recognize that this is going in a direction we do not want it to go, that it must not be allowed to go, that we must step back from the procedural maximalism, we must step back from where we have gotten ourselves, and that we have, again, arms reduction, that we break we got to break through the prisoner's dilemma. And if you are the praying sort, you know, pray for that. Because that's going to require us on both sides, you know, on both sides to step back from how we've been doing government for, for a while. And it's going to require our institutions to be less partisan and it's going to require you know those who administer both law and order and you know our elections to conduct themselves in a manner that both trump supporters and black lives matter people can can trust and that's going to be difficult and again Hopefully, what happened yesterday, which although it should never have happened, and although, again, you can, you know, I would hope that the people who are responsible for the the vandalism and for the attempt to intimidate the Congress, you know, are held accountable to the full extent of the law, that hopefully, it, you know, it's like an alcoholic hitting rock bottom, that we realize that we can't go on like this. Thank you all for listening. Uh, We encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, uh, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. That's our show for this week. Hopefully next week we can return to more normal fare.